Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, it's so great to be able to come to you today. Whether you're in person, in one of our locations, or online digitally. I just want to give a huge shout out, first of all, though, to all our locations. So come on, Belper. I know you can't make noise behind the masks, but come on, clap your hands. Now to Ilkeston and to the hub. Yes, I can hear you. And now to Mansfield, on to Nottingham, now to Toulouse, and also to our beautiful online family. We are so delighted that you're all with us today. And uh, this is the power of technology, it really is. And whoever you are today, if it's your first time amongst us, we give you a really, really wonderful welcome. I was meditating this morning, and it said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, there's a song that says, in every season, we will still praise him. And, you know, it's a strange season that we're in, but I want to encourage you to keep praising your heart and keep leaning into, you know, church and family and wherever you are and however you are going to gather and connect. All I'd encourage you is just lean in, gather and connect in this season. It's quite fluid and uh, we've just got to go with the recommendations that they keep laying out. But I want to tell you that God is in control. Whilst I was in prayer, this is just as a way of an introduction, uh, I was really just battling and, and working through the fact that, you know, we can't interact as we, as we normally would with people. And, and uh, I felt the Lord say to me, because I was lamenting this before the Lord, and the Lord said to me, Christian, you may, may, may not be able to touch them, but I can. And I wanted to say to you today, as you're listening to me uh, via this recording, I really believe that that God has come amongst us. God has already moved in our worship time. That God is present, is ever present in times of difficulties and troubles. And I really believe that his presence is here. And he can reach out and he can touch you where you are. If you're sick, I'm believing for healing. If you're fearful, I'm believing for peace. If you are anxious, then I'm believing that God is going to help you to see that anxiety gone. I'm believing for restoration and renewal in this time. And so I want to encourage you to open your heart to the word that I've got for you today. We've been working through a great, great series. Thank you for all your feedback. It's been terrific. We've been talking about great comebacks. And today I want to talk about the greatest comeback of all. And I'm talking about the majesty of the finished work of Christ. I'm going to be talking about what happened upon the cross, I really am. I really believe that this uh, series, where we designed it, was for, was for helping the church to come back. But I believe the real power of it and the true message of this series is found within people's battles, setbacks, and failures. And for you to know, for you to know today, there is a comeback to all who call. On his name. So as we leave this series, I want to almost get my builder gear on and I want to be like a builder because I want to lay a foundation block into the church and into your heart that will produce, get this if you're taking notes, the fruit of confidence. I want you to have a confidence as a result of today's message. You know, confidence is so important. 
Some of you blokes needed it when you need to go and ask your wives out. <laughs> Can you remember that day when you strutted up, you did your John Travolta? No, you didn't. You was probably lacking in confidence, but there was an insy bit of confidence that caused you to ask them out. Some people who know what it is to go and sit exams, you know, and GCSEs, A-levels, degrees. You've got to go with a confidence. Even as I'm speaking, I've got to have a confidence. But confidence only comes from what you know. Truth revealed. Truth revealed will bring a confidence in every one of our lives. I want to take you to Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 6. It's been a theme of the series. Paul writes to the church there in Philippi and he said, Being confident. Come on, everybody say together. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hear the language, being confident of this. He who began will complete. And I want you to gain confidence in today's word. I want it to be a foundation block as a builder in your life today. And I say this because there really has been and is a full assault and attack on the world and the church. There have been chains that Satan has loosed across the earth. Chains that are meant to bind us up, to imprison, to snare and to trip up. There has been mass confusion, doubts, fear, panic, anxiety, temptations and people have endured multiple setbacks. Am I speaking to anybody today? And Hebrews 10 verse 35 reminds us again, do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. This is an encouragement. This is a call, a clarion call. It's saying, do not, do not, don't you dare now throw away your confidence for it will be richly rewarded. I love this word confidence. I love the Greek, the original language of the Greek word parousia. What a beautiful word that is. It could even be a beautiful name, parousia. And it's a beautiful Greek word that speaks of a free and fearless confidence, a cheerful courage. Anybody need that today? A boldness, an assurance without ambiguity. It's an amazing confidence that we can have today that I want to lay into your heart. This enables you to sing in every season and every setback. This morning, I was singing. And I've never done this before because normally you get me singing a daft song. But I want to sing this. <laughs> and I want to sing this at the very beginning of this message. Because I want to lay a confidence in your heart. Listen to me. If you're a Christ follower, let this message be, song be in your heart. If you don't know nothing of Christ and you've clicked on or you've been, you're in one of our locations for the first time, I really want you to have this confidence by the end of our time together. It's an old-fashioned song. It goes something like this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone, 
Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Friend, today, I want you to know he lives and we can face tomorrow. He lives and all fear is gone. I know the one who holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. My prayer today is that this message will lay a confidence in your heart as you face your tomorrows. So let's go to the greatest comeback of all. It is the story of all stories. It is the pinnacle of the Bible. As Jesus Christ hung upon the cross, he died for the sins of the world. And then he confidently rose again on the third day. I want this word to strengthen you, establish you, and support you. So before we go there, I wonder, are you in need of a setback? Sorry, are you having a setback? Sorry. Have you turned back? Are you tempted to run back? Are you retreating back? Are others keeping you back? I want to tell you, this message reminds me there is always a way back. Romans 5 verse 12 says this. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected and sin entered human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve took of the forbidden fruit. It tells the story in Genesis, the opening chapters, how God created the heavens and the earth, and then on the seventh day he rested, and he created man, both male and female, Adam and Eve. And they were told that they could enjoy the garden, but there was just one tree they couldn't eat from. But we see the tempter come in the form of a serpent, and he encouraged them, he tricked them, and they took of the fruit. This was a setback of all setbacks. It came as a result of distraction and doubt and disobedience and denial. And they took of, it, of Satan's suggestion. And sin entered the world, excuse me for a moment, like a pandemic. And it affected everybody the way we lived. 1 John 2 verse 16 describes sin as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. And this comes not from the Father, but from the world. It took Jesus, who was the sinless, perfect sacrifice, to pay the price for the sins of the world at Calvary's Hill. And I want to pick up the story in John and chapter 19, as Jesus hung between two thieves. And this is what it says in verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, and they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head 
and gave up his spirit. When he bowed his head, all the world thought they had won. But this cry of, it is finished, was the cry of a winner. The comeback was now complete. Jesus had finished the eternal purpose of the cross. I want to tell you, a single word can change everything. Look at the person who's in the jury dock and the judge announces, not guilty. In a court of law, those two words change everything. When a woman says yes to to a marriage proposal, it changes everything. Yet there has never been a single word said that has impacted history more than what Jesus said in John 19 verse 30. It is finished. It was a conqueror's cry. It was uttered with a loud voice. There is nothing of anguish about it. There is no wailing in it. This is not the moan of the defeated, nor the sigh of the patient resignation. No, it's the triumphant recognition that Jesus fully accomplished the work that he came to do. Have you got the excitement of those words, it is finished. This is the greatest comeback of all. The bigger the setback, the greater the comeback. And what a comeback it was from Jesus. What a comeback from heaven. What a comeback from all of heaven to earth. But what does this mean for us? Well, it's something I've coined and called the majesty of his finished work. Because I want to take you to four declarations from Colossians in chapter 2 that I want to lead you in and I want to show you the truth. And this truth hopefully will lay a brick of confidence in your heart so you can confidently exclaim and declare every day in the battle of life because I want to tell you this life is a battle. I can't get you to tap your neighbor because we're not allowed. But you can add your amen or you can give a a clap in this moment because every day is a battle. And the only way that we will get through and win this battle is as we live confidently out of the finished work of Christ. So I wonder if we could read together Colossians 2 verse 13. It reads, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a life together with him, having forgiven us all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Paul is writing to this church and he's showing the church what actually happened on the cross when Jesus announced it is finished. Before the cross, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, the text says. But it says that through Christ, we are made alive in him. And there are four declarations that I want to lead, lead you in. And there are four majestic statements that announce the finished work of Christ. And I want you, every one of you to get this. 
If you're new to Arena, I want you to get this. If you've been coming for a trillion years, I want you to get this. If you've been a Christian as long as Noah, I want you to get this. If you're a newbie, I want you to get this. Everybody needs to get this and understand the truth and the confidence of this word. Number one, are you ready? Are you really ready? First of all, I am forever forgiven. Oh, I need to say that again. I am forever forgiven. Verse 13. It says in the text, having forgiven us all our sins. Notice the language it uses, us and all. It includes everybody and includes every sin. Can you think of your worst sin? Jesus has forgiven it. His his blood shed on the cross has paid for it. Can you think of the worst person in your world who is not deserving? I want to tell you, God died for them. There's a question that continues to come through, through time really and it's been interesting as I've been involved in the Hub campus and I love the Hub campus and it is one of my favourite campuses, I have to say that and you know, you're all, the Hub now are all getting excited about that but I just love the fact that people come just as they are, very broken, very bruised, very battered but I want to tell you Jesus is doing a deep work in that campus, and actually in every campus and every location. But over the last few months, we've preached a message, then we've opened it up to questions. They have to write it on a card, and then I answer them. Some great questions. But over the last few months, there's been a question that's kept, has kept being repeated. And the question is this. Can I know his forgiveness? Can I truly know his forgiveness? And people have been asking this question and continue to ask it. And my answer as a result of the confidence that I have in the finished work of Christ is yes, yes, yes. As you confess, as you repent of your sin, it is paid for once and for all. I read this today from a great American pastor, Rick Warren. He said the world's idea of the word repent is totally wrong. It's actually the most positive, transforming word word in the world. That is so true. It's not a bad thing to repent. It's not a bad thing to confess. We need to confess our sins. I was talking to another pastor last week about the power of confession. I'm not talking about as Catholics do go to a priest. We go to the great high priest. You don't have to come to me. You can get on your knees and you can confess your sins to God. But confession is a good thing. Because as it happens, as we begin to do this, we realize that every provision is made for our forgiveness. And there are no exceptions. Let me tell you, all the chains of sin, of the shame, of the guilt, of the ridicule, of the embarrassment, they've all been forgiven. Can I raise an amen? It's true. Everything that you have ever done, everything that I have ever done, has been forgiven through the cross. When he announced, it is finished. He then goes on to say in verse 14 of this text that he didn't just say we're forgiven, but then he goes on to say, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. This handwriting of requirements is basically a list of crimes or moral debt before God. It's all the things that you've ever done wrong it's been handwritten it's been handwritten by satan he comes to try and remind us and in a legal sense 
It represents the charges against a prisoner, the guilty misdemeanor, the things that they've done wrong. And now in a financial sense, because we have a lot of accountants and accounting people around the life of the church, it's a, it's a debit or a ledger sheet that shows that we're bankrupt before God. It says that this handwriting of requirements that was against us, Jesus says, he's wiped it out. He's whitewashed it. He's covered it. He's concealed it. The Bible says that our sins, although they were scarlet red, they are now as white as snow. He says in the Bible that he takes our sins and hurls them into the depths of the sea. He hurls our iniquities into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered, never to be brought up again. This means that the accusations that were against us are wiped away and covered over. I want to tell you, We live out of his forgiveness. Number two, he goes on to say, all my sins are nailed to the cross of Jesus. Again, I know you're not allowed to speak, but I wonder if you could just quietly say it under your masks and wherever you are, all my sins are nailed to the cross of Christ Jesus. When I was preparing this message and um, just going going through the last few minutes, I was confessing this. Uh, with my wife, and we was just announcing these confessions. All our sins are nailed to the cross of Christ. Verse 14, Paul says, having nailed it to the cross, Jesus not only paid for the writing that was against us, but he also took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. You notice that Jesus' charge, when he hung upon a cross, they nailed a sign above his head. And the only sign that they could give him was here is the king of the Jews. They could no find no charge. He was perfect. He was sinless. But they put a charge against him. And this is what happened in that time. And what Paul is saying here is that Christ took the handwriting of requirements that was against us and he nailed them to the cross so that they could no longer accuse us. I love what one theologian said about this verse. It might be said that he took the list and nailed it to the cross as an act of triumphant defiance. Oh, I love this language. In the face of those blackmailing powers that were holding it over men and women in order to command their allegiance. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people who are being blackmailed by Satan There are things that he puts on you, against you, he reminds you of. But I want to tell you, every one of those sins, if you have repented and confessed, they are nailed to the cross, never to bring you shame again. He has dealt with every single one of them. The Bible says it this way, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you have had so many setbacks, you feel condemned, you feel beaten up, you feel battered, you feel bruised, and you feel there's no way back. But here is the greatest comeback of all. And Jesus says, come, come to me again. Let me take those sins. Let me wash them clean. Let me drive them into the, into the, the, the wood of the cross. Forgotten, forgiven. Listen, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Number three, darkness has no hold on me. This is my third declaration. Darkness has no hold on me. Verse 15, 
This is all rooted in the scriptures. Are you getting this today? Are you really getting it? Is it created a confidence in you? I hope so. Paul says, having disarmed principalities and powers. Jesus showed his full power and authority over dark forces, both whilst he walked on the earth and then again on the cross. There was one event in the scriptures where it talks about a man who was inflicted by demons, many, many demons, even to the point that they had to put him out of the city. They chained him up. The demonic forces were so strong in him, he was able to break the chains and he was forever cutting himself. And Jesus came face to face with this man and Jesus tenderly dealt with this man but drove the demons out. You'll have to read it for yourself in the gospel accounts. And it says that the demons left this man and then moments later, minutes later, hours later, this man was, this man was dressed and in his right mind. He showed, Jesus was showing to the world that we have power, that he has power over demonic dark forces. Darkness has no hold on us. I've spoken to numbers of people over the years. Some of them are in Arena Church who were held back by dark forces, demonic forces, evil forces. But as they came to the realisation that Christ loved them, loves them, and as they confessed their sins, these dark forces of violence, such violence as some people had, I mean, terrible, terrible acts of violence, such hatred, such immorality and promiscuity, dark forces that were holding them captive, people bound by addictions as they fully surrendered. Chains were broken and many of them now are sat in our locations and they are dressed and in their right mind. Oh, can we give thanks and praise to Jesus? Because I want to tell you that darkness has no hold on us and Jesus' work on the cross shows that he disarmed the principalities and powers Paul shows us that through the cross, that the victorious Jesus took the spiritual powers and earthly powers and he stripped them and humbled them and holding them up to contempt and publicly triumphing over them. We can only imagine how Satan and every gleeful demon attacked Jesus as he hung there on the cross on our behalf, as if he were the guilty sinner. He was suspended there. He was bound hand and foot to the wood in apparent weakness. And they, they imagined, I think, that they, they'd got him. They had him at their mercy. And they flung, him, flung themselves on him with hostile intent. But far from suffering their attack without resistance, he grappled with them and he mastered them. And he stripped them of their armour in which they trusted. And he held them aloft in his outstretched arms, displaying to the universe their helplessness and his own unparalleled strength. Oh my goodness, it is finished. And I want to tell you today, if you're a believer, the weapons that demonic spirits have They are disarmed against you. This is a revelation truth for some of you today. 
listen to me, evil forces only have weapons that can deceive and create fear. That's the only weapons they have. These are effective weapons, but they are not powerful weapons at all. Listen to me, demonic spirits only have as much power towards us, the people of God, that we give them when we believe their lies. Listen to me, the weapons are in our hands, not theirs. We have been given a sword, we have been given a shield, and darkness has been overcome by light. Lastly, number four, fourth declaration, I share in the triumph of Christ. Come on, say it with me. I share in the triumph of Christ. Come on, I share in the triumph of Christ. Verse 15, Paul says from this passage, Colossians 2, triumphing over them. Paul used similar phrasing in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 when he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I want to tell you, we share in the triumph of Christ. And when Paul was writing this, he had in mind the Roman victory parade where a conquering general led his defeated captives through the streets in triumph as he wrote this verse. Perhaps Satan, for a moment, thought that he had won at the cross, but hell's imagined victory was turned into defeat that disarmed every spiritual enemy who fights against those living under the light and the power of the cross. The public spectacle of defeated demonic spirits makes their defeat all the more humiliating. The death of Christ was not only a pardon, but it also manifested might. It not only cancelled a debt, but it was a glorious triumph. Listen to me, friends. As he was hung upon the cross, it could have seemed that he was in a setback. But I want to tell you, it was in readiness for the greatest comeback of all. And because of that comeback, we too can come back from every setback. Remember, the bigger the setback, the greater the comeback. Oh, this is the majesty of the finished work of Christ. It is finished. I want to remind you again, I am forever forgiven. Come on, say it. I am forever forgiven. Secondly, all my sins are nailed to the cross. Come on, thirdly, darkness has no hold on me. And lastly, I share in the triumph of Christ. Do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. He is setting you up for a comeback, for purpose, for victory here on earth and for eternity to come. You may have wasted a lot of your life with sinful living, with sinful ways, but I want to tell you again that God wants to make the rest of your life the best of your life. 
Oh, can I get an amen? God wants to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This is your greatest comeback. Can I raise a clap in the building? Can I raise a clap in your living room? Can I raise a clap online? This is your greatest comeback. What a series. What a saviour. What a Lord. And we rest in the confident work of Christ. Today, I wonder if you're ready for your comeback. Can I encourage you in this moment to lean in wherever you are in this prayer Come on, close your eyes. Just bow your heads. Let's pray to God. God, we want to thank you for the greatest comeback of all. When you were hung upon the cross, you died and you were buried in the tomb. But on the third day, you rose in resurrection power and victory and you have defeated all the powers of darkness, every sin, and have overcome every setback known to man. Today I put my trust in you and I invite you to be my Lord and my Saviour. I confidently declare that I'm forgiven. All my sins are nailed to the cross. Darkness has no hold on me and I share in the triumph of Christ as I put my trust in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now today, if you prayed that prayer with me, then you have asked Jesus into your life. You've asked him to be Lord and Savior. You've renounced the power of darkness over your life. And as I said at the very beginning, I'm believing for healings and miracles and breakthroughs. And I just want to believe in this moment that Jesus is doing his work. Jesus, do your work wherever you are. Do your work in people's lives. Now in this moment of prayer, if you've reached out to the Lord, I want to encourage you to click on the screen just to let the hosts know that they're waiting for you. Just to let them know that you've responded to this message of salvation and hope and you are putting your trust in Jesus. Remember, I'm believing that wherever you are, in whatever season you are, wherever you find yourself, If you're in a setback, there is always a comeback. I look forward to seeing you again real soon. But as always, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. And I believe in you. God bless you.